mini episode 1588 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge, mini-episode 1588. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here, and we have on with us here one of our favorite folks for coming on and talking football. Uh, he is a, a long-standing dignitary here at the FDH Lounge, a columnist at Our Sports Central. This guy covers and writes about football on more different levels than anybody else I've ever known, Franz Stuckberry. He has a long-standing relationship covering the XFL, going back to the original version of it. Uh, actually, much of his life has been intertwined with that initial experience of covering the XFL. And uh, so, who better to come on and talk about the, the the second revival of the XFL here in 2023? Of course, we had the pre-pandemic revival in 2020, and we're back now with a league that is owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his business partner slash ex-wife Danny Garcia. And as I said, nobody better to break it down than the one and only Fran Stuckberry. Fran, thank you so much for being here today, my friend. Thanks, Rick. Happy to be talking the XFL with you. Absolutely. I mean, there was nobody else that I would go to for something like this. And uh, this is a, a big passion of yours going way back. You are more acquainted with uh, the goings-on with this than most people are. And uh, so... Again, a sort of sea change even from 2020 to 2023 as far as some of the changes here. The 2020 product was obviously a lot different than 2001, but even 2020 to 2023, we've got some major differences. Well, well you, have, you have a couple major differences. Um, the rule changes are pretty much similar. Nothing really changed except for, like, uh, break in the fourth quarter, uh, you can do the... Um, uh, after touchdown, you can go. Um, you, know, you can go. You can, you can go for that uh, fourth fifteen on uh, um, fourth fifteen to, to get the ball back. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's gonna be well. XFL, you know, twenty twenty was fun, but then the pandemic shut things down. So twenty is a little bit different. They're doing things on a little bit of a cheaper scale. We're having all the teams practice in Wellington, so they're gonna, you know, uh, and then they'll travel to the cities, you know, the, the games that the, um, um, when they have to. So. So maybe the Texas teams have a little bit of an advantage. Arlington, you know, the uh, Arlington team, San Antonio, and Houston teams might have a little They don't have to travel as much, but we shall see, Rick. We shall see. That's right. And uh, you're looking at a different uh, geographical setup here this time around. You've got a South Division and a North Division. The South Division, as you said, with the, uh, the three Texas teams and a Florida team, it's Arlington, Houston, Orlando, and San Antonio in the South. D.C., Seattle, St. Louis, and Vegas in the north. Uh, A a very interesting setup. I don't know in any sport that uh, I can remember that we've had a division that encompasses the geographical distance of D.C. to Vegas, much less D.C. to Seattle. (laughs) Well, I hope they have frequent flyer miles and they fly. (laughs) Oh, man. 
I mean, for, for anybody that thinks the Arizona Coyotes have it tough in uh, the NHL with some of their teams, like, oh, we got to go out as far as Chicago, I think these folks here would be saying, stop whining about this. Uh, it's better than D.C. to Seattle, but uh, some interesting... Well, actually, well, actually, Rick, actually, you'd be from Arlington to Seattle, because they're all, they're all practicing in Arlington, so... Yes. Well, there is that, and uh, so the... Uh, the, the Seattle uh, home team will be at uh, Lumen Field with Jim Haslett as head coach. St. Louis is playing at the Dome at America Center, head coach Anthony Becht. Vegas Vipers at Cashman Field, uh, the former AAA field turned soccer field in Las Vegas. Rod Woodson is the head coach. D.C. playing at Audi Field with Reggie Barlow as the head coach in the South Division. Arlington is playing at Chocolaw Stadium. Head coach Bob Stoops. Houston Roughnecks have Wade Phillips as the head coach playing at TDECU Stadium. Orlando playing at Camping World Stadium. Head coach Terrell Buckley. San Antonio playing at the Alamo Dome with Heinz Ward as head coach. Boo! So uh, some interesting uh, setups here. Uh, I was a, a fan of Houston a couple of years back when they had June Jones as the head coach. I was rooting for him because he had been uh, somebody that was not able to be successful as a head coach on the NFL level, notwithstanding being such a great, innovative mind. And I was rooting for him to get a chance. And I think they went 5-0, and and they were sort of the unofficial champions, I guess you would say, of the league then. And the one thing that carries on, Wade Phillips, again, somebody else that uh, outside of briefly having some success in Dallas, not really uh, a major success at the NFL level as a head coach, but one of the uh, legendary defensive coordinators of the last couple of decades. So... Houston, for the second time in a row, taking somebody that is a genius coordinator and giving them a chance to win something as a head coach. Yeah, that's definitely true. Because Seattle, because Jim Jones is now the offensive coordinator in Seattle, so they're going to be running a one and shoot. Houston only has one tight end in their roster, they're also probably going to be doing a one and shoot. So it's going to be a little bit more pass heavy. Where we're starting the U.S. NFL with teams where just you know it was more of a run run, run heavy offense. The XFL, I expect it to be a lot more. A lot more um, passing and, and moving the football, especially when you had Jordan Palmer, the the quarterback guru, who you know helped uh, work on quarterback technique to make them better quarterbacks in this league. That's right, and then uh, of course we saw the revival last spring of the USFL, and uh, that's going to be coming back here uh, subsequently in this spring, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that. So basically, you're you're not looking at really a major overlap in seasons between the two somehow, but. Uh, as far as the two leagues, because this is a thing where people that don't follow this as much, which probably constitutes 95% of football fans, are going to be sitting here going, well, what are the differences between the two leagues? So as somebody who's expert on both of them, Fran, what would you say? What are the main things that jump out one league versus the other? Well, the one thing is the Expos you know, off to a quick start, so they start in February, and the thing is, I, I think if, I think the XL is more appealing to players who want to move up to the NFL, because when this season ends, um, uh, mid May, early mid May, they can get ready for you know they can get the full OTAs because let's be honest, Rick. Uh, last year, like you know, the, the, the NFL signed around fifty or sixty USFL guys. They were just casualties and um, so late in camp, and like only one or two stuck. Which one was Kamani Turpin, one that went on to be a Pro Bowl kick return with Dallas Cowboys, but. You know, if you play in the XFL, you have a way better chance of making it into the NFL than you do in the USFL. That is true also, and uh, when you're looking at the corporate entities involved with both leagues uh, on the uh, the broadcasting end, of course we saw it last year that uh, Fox Sports 
uh, was the predominant force with the USFL, and then uh, NBC Sports came in and was doing some games also, too. So it was a split between both of those, with Fox on the sort of predominant end, NBC Sports getting some of the games as well. In this league, you're looking at Disney. You're looking at uh, ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, FX, now that that's under the banner, etc. So it's one of these funny things where, for all the people that expected the uh, co-owner and operator of the league, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, to be at WrestleMania this year, you've got the XFL launching right now, it ne- I never really expected that to be the case. Put aside all the other reasons, but you're looking at an entity that is a Disney-centric entity, and you're going to have The Rock then coming on uh, these other entities. Uh, by the way, uh, USA Network under the NBC banner, SmackDown on Fox under, of course, the Fox banner. You'd have somebody coming on promoting the rival Spring Football League. Uh, I never saw it making sense on that level, too. It's just a corporate clash. Yeah, and I agree. I was kind of, I wouldn't be very surprised, especially with the Rock, you know, his, 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 his work schedule. And plus, he's always, he has some movies in the works always. He only, yeah, he's one of the most busiest people in the world. How can he be that commitment to wrestling? Um, but one thing I want to talk about with ESPN, uh, one, they have good, they're going to have some good, uh, good announcers and broadcasters. Um, one guy I like the most is, is Tom Wilkenbo. He's going to be one of the XFL broadcast teams. He was like one of the original assistant coaches with the LX2 when he won the uh, XFL Championship in 2001. I'll tell you funny story about him um when i covered the new york city hawks ran football team back in 1998 um that, that, that was his first job as a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator so i go way back to him looking about oh yeah yeah he's one of those people where whenever you get a chance to hear him you, you can always tell how much he knows about the game and uh he is somebody that's always uh very uh, informative about the recruiting process as well with college i i've i've heard a lot of great content from him on that the question I have about you, Rick, is that how do you think FX is going to be as a network? It's not really done with sports, but um, I know they, they they want to get more on the sports landscape. What do you think? You think people? people I think it's going to be better penetration than FS1 was for the USL because it's in more homes. But what do you think about FX as a sport as as, as a sports entity? Though you know, I mean that one's kind of interesting because if you're looking at what was going to be the fourth entity. I mean, there's the chance to, and I am seeing also, too, off of their Wikipedia page that uh, ESPN Plus is going to come into play as well. But rather than pushing more games to an online platform, uh, again, FX, and, and it kind of takes some getting used to, I think, for people to realize. Actually, actually, actually Rick, all the games are going to be on either ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, or FX, not on ESPN Plus. Okay, well, what that must mean is maybe there's some alternative broadcasts. Okay, so that's... Well, 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 there's going to be some preview shows as well. Okay, all right. I'm glad you clarified that point then. Yes, so it was a thing where so clearly they wanted to avoid putting any games on something that was going to be subscription only. And uh, again, I think the only main reason people associate FX as far as being a Disney property in the last couple of years has been the predominance of FX on Hulu and that whole branding of getting to see the FX shows on Hulu, which is, of course, a Disney-predominated platform. So people are probably still getting used to thinking of it as a non-Fox entity because it was Fox for so many years. By the way, that's how the name came out. You put an O in the middle of FX and you got Fox. So... As far as acquainting it as a Disney property, this is another step forward in that. And and again, if you're looking at the other cable entities that they have, what else do they have, essentially? So 
it makes sense in that way. They probably went through, it was probably a process of elimination of like, we got some more games here, what do we want to do? Do we want to do spillover on FX or possibly contract out with somebody else? You know, maybe CBS or somebody, but uh, obviously they decided they wanted to keep them all in-house. Well, honestly, Rick, I mean, it's tough because ESPN has so much going on in March, in February, with the college basketball and the and the women's tournament. They have the show and the comic. They have they have, they have so much. They don't have enough space on there. That's why they they had to go to FX. And that's the, and the thing is, I'll be honest with you. I think honestly, if the ratings, you know, I mean, you know, you know, are decent or they or they or they get better um, next season, uh, I can see you know, um, I can see more. More small games on ABC or ESPN, or you know, if they could fill it in, if it's going to get a higher rating than they expect. Well, last year with the USFL, I remember that. I mean, as far as being compared to, uh, I think even some basketball and hockey uh, postseason games, probably more so hockey, that it was uh, doing pretty well compared to them, and certainly compared to regular season baseball, which. Uh, you know, as a baseball fan, I find disheartening that the highest level of professional baseball might struggle to be neck and neck with a tertiary professional football league. But that shows you how strong it is in American society, as we're about to find out in a couple of days here with the Super Bowl as we're taping this. So it is one of those things where, you know, ratings-wise, I could see ABC putting on more games then because uh, for whatever reason, there are some properties that ESPN and ESPN2 have, I think, that are exclusive to them. That's one of the reasons you don't see more college basketball spilling over onto ABC and more of the uh, women's college basketball spilling over because it's sort of exclusive to the platform, or at least certain games are anyways. So that would leave it wide open for the XFL to take up more space, I think. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely does. And the thing is, for these fans, you know, panicking over ticket sales and everything else, it is a marathon, not a sprint. There you have money invested. They're not going to pull the plug after one year. So people, you know, on social media, people are just, you know, they go crazy over everything. And, and some people are thinking doubting Vegas as a, as a mark, as a mark. Vegas is a good market. I mean, I don't think the, I don't think the stadium's ideal, but I think Vegas is a great market for the XFL. I think with the, uh, you know, the gambling and the casinos and the, and the sports betting, you know, and, and all the sports leagues that come there. So I don't, I mean, next is going to be Major League Soccer. Like everything is there now. It's after Major League Soccer. And maybe the Oakland A's as well. So I don't know. People saying Vegas is not good for the XFL that I can't, can't support it. I mean, it cash is going to be a small capacity, but it might be one of the most, you know, it might be a really you know, good home field advantage for them when they play. Well, yeah, and a capacity of 12.5, so they're going to have a much easier time packing the place. This is one of those things where I think the league is going to be somewhat unusual as far as the spread in terms of the stadiums. You start with Vegas at 12.5, you move up to D.C. at Audi Field, 20,000, Arlington playing at Chalk Law Stadium, 25,000, and then uh, you kind of graduate up to TDECU Stadium in Houston, 60,000, or I'm sorry, 40,000. The others are in the 60s, Orlando, San Antonio, Seattle, and St. Louis. So you have some of these uh, entities that are going to be quite cozy and some of them that are going to be much bigger, and unfortunately for TV, a lot of empty seats. Well, I mean, uh, I think in Orlando, but they only sell tickets on the TV side. That's what, what I heard. And plus, <laughs> um, and plus, I, and plus I don't know if they're going to open the upper levels for San Antonio or um, 
or seeing Lois yet. And the thing is, Rick, Rick I mean, San Antonio's going to have a good crowd there. Um, there are a lot of ticket sales. And it's funny, it's funny about Houston. I mean, they, they played their first three games at home, so that's going to be you know, hopefully the fans catch on quickly. As far as St. Louis is concerned, they played their first three games on the road. So if they go, if they get off to a bad start, or you know, that, that can impact their the season, you know, having three straight road games. Well, we'll have to see how much home of, of home field advantages with this hub traveling. Because because I mean, teams are going to be traveling. It's going to be interesting to see how much you know how much advantage that is, and it will be all all the same thing to see when the Vegas odds come out. How these odds makers. You know, decide to give sports betting lines on this stuff. Yeah, well, you know that some of them are going to be because, again, people just are dying to bet on everything. And uh, now with the proliferation of it, more and more and more states. In my home state of Ohio, uh, gambling on sports became legal on January 1st, so we're now being inundated with all the commercials and whatnot. So you best believe there's going to be a lot of platforms out there that are going to have uh, betting for this because, again, people are dying to just bet on anything. Uh, football being there, uh, the XFL is certainly going to benefit off of it as well. I had a laugh when you said about Orlando uh, selling tickets on the uh, the TV side, basically. So this is a trick, essentially, that The Rock learned from Vince McMahon uh, in this here, because uh, that's what they do. Anytime they do TV tapings and wrestling, there's always a hard cam side, and uh, they're only going to sell the tickets behind the hard camera if there's enough demand for it. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what I heard. But I'll, I'll, Rick, I'll see that first time I go down to Campbell Campbellworth Stadium up, up down there. And um, one thing I want to talk about, I mean, uh, I, I'm also I did my interview with uh, um, the director of team operations, Jose Jefferson. I mean, I mean, I thought, I mean, you know, he gave so much you know, detail and insight of all all the all the you know leagues he's been involved with and how it's all worked. And I got the you know uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's more of a personal guy than I than I realized he was when he asked who your name was. John, he wants to remember you, you know, the first time he meets you. That, that was kind of cool, Rick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was very interesting. I, I was reading your column about that. And, uh, again, what were uh, what were some of the insights you picked up from him as far as how you expect the league to operate? Well, the thing is, they, they, they have a long-term goal. Eventually, they want, they, they, they want to get back in the – they want to have their – you know, be be in the home markets with everything eventually. But they, the thing is, they, they're trying to cut, cut on expenses because right now, all the teams in Arlington, if there's one problem, they can deal with it a lot easier than if they were all over the place. Uh, I got the impression the thing is, I mean, this is a, a long term commitment. This is not something you're going to pull the plug on. I mean, the thing is, I can't see the Rock one, Rock or Danny Garcia or you know Jerry Cardinal wanting to fail at this. I can't see that happening. Um, I, I and I feel like you know. Each year it's going to get better. That's just that. That's just my take. I mean, the good thing is, if you in these leagues, if you have longevity, people will support it. If people, if, you know, when people being burned so much these alternative alternative leagues, um, people are going to be hesitant to buy tickets. Sometimes, you know, these people come to the games will be a first time. They have to have a positive experience, otherwise they won't come back. Because uh, hopefully, like when they go to San Antonio for that Brahms game, uh, there's no hiccups because people, you know, want to be happy the entire time they're at the game, Rick. They do, and to your point about the stability of the league, we mentioned uh, two of the partners here. Let me mention a third one. Of course, it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia, and also uh, Jerry Cardinal from Redbird Capital. So they've got some money people behind this thing here because this is going to take an investment. It's going to be one of these kind of things. And it's kind of like what Fox did getting as involved as they were financially with the USFL, that you have to be putting money into something 
that the way that they were doing it and the way that they were operating the USFL, these folks here with the amount of money that they're bringing to the table, this is, as you say, a long-term project. It's not going to be about getting rich in year one or year two, but grinding through it and putting together a product that year after year after year is going to build upon itself and continue to amass a following. And I think that's I think I think it can happen. I mean, and the thing is, I feel once they get more settled in, they'll be doing even more and more things. I kind of feel like, uh, and the thing is, there hasn't been that much expo- hype or exposure except on social media. And Rick, I mean, like 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 people say on social media, you're basically preaching to your to your choir. You're not you're not really gaining new fans on social media because people that are that are liking that following you on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, already uh, are ready for fans, Rick. They are, and uh, it's it's going to be uh, fascinating to see what happens here and how this uh, continues to go. And uh, again, year one of the XFL 2001 was uh, pretty much uh, at about the peak, interestingly enough, of uh, the Attitude Era before it kind of tailed. Uh, and of course, uh, during uh, that particular winter, it was uh, part uh, two of the Rock and Stone Cold trilogy at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17. Uh, that year. So uh, The Rock and all the guys in the WWE, they were part of the uh, promotion for year one of this. Again, flash forward 22 years later, and he's the guy in charge of it, essentially, at least the face of the league. You've got the other folks involved, as we mentioned, but the face of the XFL is The Rock. That is something that uh, you can't really put a price tag on as far as uh, association with a respected and beloved personality in American culture. So you have that going for it. Uh, as far as any of the other things, as we start to bring it around full circle here, Fran, what are some of the other elements of the league this year that are important that we haven't talked about yet? Well, so we, when you talk about some of the um, former NFL players in the league, what's here is Brian with the Las Vegas, with the Vegas Vipers, um, and we have uh, uh, Josh Gordon with Seattle Sea Dragons. So two, two guys that have, you know, have had their issues in the past and now trying to redeem themselves in the XFL. Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple guys uh, that are kind of interesting here. You know, Cody Latimer and uh, uh, Matt Jones, uh, uh, Martavis Bryant. So there are some names uh, that have been out there to some degree, uh, Kalen Ballage. So seeing how that plays out with some of these guys uh, looking to catapult themselves in the world of professional football, that will be uh, interesting as well. And, uh, again, uh, looking forward to the games starting here and uh, getting involved in uh, – Watching the uh, the thing, I know you're going to be charting it. You're going to be traveling to some of the games. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a spring for you, uh, Fran, as this thing gets back going. Uh, I mean, it's going to be exciting. And I got to say something, Rick. I give the XFL credit for not doing coaching retreats. I mean, we all the coaches. They give Heinz Ward a Heinz Ward opportunity. They give Rod Woods an opportunity in Vegas. Heinz Ward with San Antonio. They give Charles Buckley an opportunity with Orlando. I, 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 I mean, and and DC got has a coach as well. I mean, the thing is, they give an opportunities to guys who well, yell. I mean, instead of doing these retreats, coaches they get hired many times. I give them credit for that, Rick. Yeah, that is one of the uh, interesting notes about this here and uh, seeing some faces in here that are going to get a chance to establish themselves and potentially move up the rungs in the world of professional football. So, uh, again, good stuff. Looking forward to the league this spring. Uh, I thank you greatly for your expertise on this, Fran, and for being here today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1588.